Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom! What's going on, everybody? This is Harry Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Robin. I'm creeping it real. Hey, Dude. you all for coming on. There's a bunch of people who have already been in the chat, so we definitely appreciate that. Um, coming to hang out for this, this me and Rob session here, uh, which I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about. I love hanging with Rob. So, Hell yeah! They're always great. <laughs> uh, we got a fun one tonight. Huh? We, we're gonna have a fun one tonight. We are gonna have a fun one tonight. So, um, hey, listen, this time we had some technical difficulties. Jay Muller, who says we're always uh, late. Yeah, yeah. I know. Shut up. Shut up, Jay Muller. <laughs> this time you. it wasn't me. This time it wasn't me. I was here at 827. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm really hoping that you guys can't hear because right now the room that I'm sitting in just outside of the door, there's some adult Amazonian milk frogs and they're in like breeding right now. So they, they are croaking and it sounds like, and I keep hearing it like casually. And I'm like, is there someone standing outside the door right now? And I'm like, Oh, it's just the frogs. The frogs. No big deal. That is amazing. So I, so here's, here's a kicker, right? So I was just telling, telling Rob a little bit about this. So, my phone, I made sure I was barely on my phone today because I knew I was going to go right from the shop to here and then jump on the podcast. So I didn't want to use my phone because I remembered my headphones this week. Well, hey. what happened? But uh, 40 plus. Your headphones years, are dead. No, no, it's, oh. it's, my, it's my wired headphones. But uh, a 40 plus minute FaceTime happened with Kevin McCurley today. So my oh. phone is very dead. So it is attached to the charger right now. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> well, you got to see some cool ball pythons, though. I did see some cool ball pythons. Although I'm still jealous because he's showing me all that bald stuff, and the saturation mm-hmm. never gets picked up on the phone camera ever. So I'm like, I'm Basically. losing my patience. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Well, on, on yeah. a lot of that stuff, the color saturation just doesn't come in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and I anything know. that has pink highlights just doesn't show up either. Yeah. Then I'm mad that Aubrey's going up there. Yep. Uh, and I told Aubrey to let me know the next time he went up to Nerd. I mean, I'm in Georgia, so it's not like I could have gone this time. Like, hey, man, let me know the next time you go up to Nerd, and I'll I'll split the drive with you. Mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't even get a message. So better believe I'm going to give Aubrey a bunch of shit. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah. So, okay. So this week's episode is going to be a fun one. Uh, We might make a few people mad, but, uh, but they can deal with it because it's, uh, it's a valid point. Thank you up in here. That's right, man. But it's a valid point. We're talking about pricing and, and inflation of stuff in the industry. Um, and there's a bunch of different points. So, uh, as always, guys, feel free to uh, throw your comments in there. I don't know if Rob can see the comments, but I can see the comments. And if, if anybody, hey, perfect. Uh, if anybody is 
online and you want to super chat, uh, we'll highlight your, your chat. Um, and that may distract us for a, a momentary lapse of time. Uh, as always, you should be following Reptile Talk on Instagram uh, at reptile.talk. And uh, of course, uh, supporting US Arc, US Arc Florida, and all that wonderful stuff. And I decided to talk talk shop for now. But, uh, you know, there's all the, the business is out of the way. Uh, let's call motherfuckers out. Yeah, motherfucker. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, this is a, a topic that I've been um, I've been wanting to do a show on for a little bit. Um, the guys at um, Reptile Fight Club did an episode that was on um, you know pricing on rare species and whether or not they should be expensive or whether they shouldn't be expensive. And it was a pretty decent episode. I think that some points in there um, got missed, and then. Just listening to not just that podcast, but like every reptile podcast, you hear people talk about, oh, well, you know, corn snakes used to be $25 and this, you know, ball pythons used to throw them away and blah, 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 blah. And then now everyone just complains basically and they're like, oh, everything's so expensive now. Everything's so expensive now. There's no reason a snake should be $5,000. And it's like, well, that's that's just an opinion, you know, there, that's like, there's people who are saying there should never be a hundred thousand dollar car. Or there should never be a $200,000 car. And then to the people who make those cars, it's like, well, how much craftsmanship and work and time do we put into these cars to make them worth what they're worth and people are buying them. So at the end of the day, it, let's say someone puts something up for $2 million and it never sells for $2 million. Guess what? It's probably not worth $2 million, but if people are putting things up for $2 million and they sell in 10 minutes, Guess what the current market value is. Yep, exactly. I just want to give a shout out to Jay Muller for the super chat, just for love. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. So pumped. Yeah, so that's this is just the topic that I've um, I've been thinking about for maybe the last couple of weeks and just kind of thinking on and, and wanting to do an episode with. And then you know, we throw it at Jeremy, and Jeremy's like, let's fucking do it. Let's do it. So let's yeah, do it. I'm pumped. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, but before we even go into the topic of just the price of certain snakes, uh, there's two, two I think, really important aspects of this. Number one, the industry has always moved in waves, right? Things have become popular. Prices have gone up because they've become popular. And then they kind of, that fad moves along. It's only been exacerbated by social media as the social media trends for certain things pop up. I mean, black cakes are a great example. Used to be a fifty dollars snake. I used to be trying to sling them in bar checks table in White Plains, and we couldn't move them for fifty bucks. Now they're two fifty, three hundred dollars, and you can't keep them in stock. You Pretty know, consistently, yeah. It's you know now they're they're worth that much, but it's because of some social media hype. The other element to this too is, which we're seeing as far as like raw materials go, rodent food is going through the roof right now. Rodent food. Right now. And that's causing rat prices to go up. So now if you're trying to sell snakes, it's important to realize that the person who's selling the snake also had to feed the snake. So not only is the value coming from the snake is, especially if it's genetically involved or whatever, but, you know, there's also a little bit of wanting to recoup that cost. Even if you're breeding rodents and you're not going out and buying rodents, Rodent food literally is going up. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were saying how rodent food prices jumped up five dollars a bag, basically overnight. And mm -hmm. and there's no price break for buying an entire pallet. 
you know, it's like, nope, here it is. It's $19 per bag. You know, and a pallet is 30 plus bag. I don't know where you're getting it from. You know, and if you were paying 14 bucks a bag, now all of a sudden it's 19 something a bag. That's that's no small price difference. And you're gonna feel that immediately. So if you're mm-hmm. selling rodents or selling reptiles that are eating the rodents you had to buy, you have to offset that that cost a little bit. Yeah, and a lot of people will talk about it. Well, and there's they'll say, "Oh, well, it's fine if you have a, a, a business and blah blah blah, and you have employees, and you have to think about all that sort of stuff." But at the end of the day, even if you're just doing this as a hobby, why would you want to put in ten thousand dollars and then only be able to get back a thousand dollars? Like when you have the possibility, and the market can uh, meet the value at getting closer to what you're putting in like why like i get it this is a passion project for a lot of people a lot of people don't care particularly about the money or they say they don't care about the money but when it comes down to it when it boils down to it at the end of the day being able to have some money in your pocket is important no matter who you are it doesn't matter if you breed one clutch of ball pythons or whether you breed you know eugene Bissett doing a thousand what was it fifteen hundred clutches of ball pythons a year you know at the end of the day you it does have to factor in somewhere it's somewhere imagine if you're even if you're like okay i just want my ball pythons to pay for my rodent bill and then your rodent bill gets up by 20 percent 25 percent even is what is generally looking at right now um and and you're still making that same amount of money from reproducing your snakes it's like you basically are uh, are going to be losing more money. Yeah. Even if you just wanted to cover the cost of your rodents, now you were whatever you're planning on selling your snakes for, that value has gone shorter. And that's how it's been over the last 20 years. Your dollar goes less and less and less over the last 20 years. Think about it, the the what is it the uh the minimum wage really hasn't changed in how many years? Yeah. Come on. No, it's 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 definitely 100% true and I think Anybody who, who talks about uh, not being in the for money, you know, if you're if you're breeding your animals, you can certainly breed your animals. Love breeding, mm-hmm. like that experience, you know, whatever. But it's if you're not paying attention to what that's doing to you, you're kind of dumb. You know, or, I mean? or money is so far removed from your everyday life that you don't understand people who like the extra 10 grand from their snakes really helps them be able to live. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, there has to be some element, you know, like a hobby is something that should be able to it, that, that involves sales is something that should be able to essentially pay for itself. You don't want to consistently be coming out of pocket to fund this hobby because at some point it just becomes an expense. And while you might enjoy doing it, you know, it, it's, it's not really a hobby at that point so much as something you enjoy. You know, yeah, if, if you've got one snake or you got two snakes, I would consider that like kind of more on the hobby side. If you have got any number more than 10, it's a little more than a hobby, you know, because well, if you have a hobby of a couple snakes, it is not going to take potentially take a substantial amount of food off of your own table to feed your collection. If you have got a, you know, I think I had like a two or three hundred dollar a month food bill when I was doing things on my on my own. Like that's yeah. that's a little more than a hobby, or or you know, at that point it turn it starts to border that like 
you know, step up away from just being a hobby. Exactly. I mean, look at it, look at it this way. So, so while I'm, I'm down here doing music stuff in Georgia during the day, since music really always happens at night, um, during the day, I'm helping out a friend who's running a pet shop right now. And, um, you know, which is fun, fun for me, but, uh, you know, we're selling, you know, feeders to people and, you know, a medium rent is like almost $10, mm-hmm. you know, like imagine you've got 10 snakes that need rats once a week, 10 medium rats. That's a hundred dollars a week just to feed 10 snakes. That's 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's ridiculous. You yeah. Know, that's but, more than a hobby price. That's an expense price. Right. Exactly. You know, and I, and, you know, the people who are fine with paying for that, you know, cool, man, kudos to you. But at that point, I'm like, I got to maybe think about buying this in bulk and, you know, maybe spending a little more up front so I can, you know, deal with that cost in a, in a different way, you know, so it's not taking $100 out of my paycheck every week. You know what I mean? That's that's an expense, you know, and again, a lot of that's because food has gone up, you know, so wholesale road costs have gone up, you know, that. That all comes back down to the consumer, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're buying five rats, 10 rats, a hundred rats, you know, like it adds up really quickly. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's just that you have to factor those things in when it comes to, uh, you know, the cost of an animal, because a lot, I hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, corn snakes are $15 snakes or $20 snakes. They shouldn't be expensive. They shouldn't be a hundred dollars. They should never be $150. I literally hear people say that all the time. And it's like, okay, what you're talking about, you're talking about it as if it's a coffee mug and you're going, okay, the coffee mug should never be more than $20. This is a coffee mug. But what you're actually talking about is a snake's life that you are selling to someone else who is going to raise and hopefully take care of that snake. And when you have a $10 or $15 or $20 price tag on an animal, a lot of people look at it as disposable, especially, you know, families, uh, people who are not tied into the hobby. Like we don't want our snakes to be disposable. We want people to actually value them because if people go, Oh, I got a turtle for $20. And then, you know, a month later they're like wow this thing's a lot of work they go oh twenty dollars i've invested into this thing i'm gonna chuck it outside because twenty dollars they can see okay that's a meal at mcdonald's for me and my kid you know they're not looking at it as i've got this animal's life that i'm supposed to be fostering and taking care of and it's an investment of time space money all these different things uh you know i think that that really starts like minimum starts at a hundred dollars uh where people start to go hey maybe i should think about this a little bit more than uh just getting it on an impulse and then dealing with it later you know there's some people who will buy things on impulse at a hundred dollars which is like that's if that's what they do that's what they do right but at that $100 or $200 price point, most people are going, hey, what does it take to take care of this thing? What do I have to get to make sure it's happy? I do want to invest my time and my money and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera into it. And right. so, you know, the fact that corn snakes were ever, you know, if, I mean, I don't want to say ever because like maybe in the 70s and 80s, if you break corn snakes, 15 bucks went a long way, but or a lot longer, a lot further than it does now. But like $15 today. Like I can go to McDonald's and spend fifteen dollars right now, and then Easy. eat it, and then it's gone. Like that's it. And then to to think that 
uh, people are going to put the same amount of value uh, or more value in a animal uh, that they bought for $15 is just ridiculous. It's just not, it's not being real. It's not looking at the hobby as what it is because it, it, things have changed. Things have changed drastically in the hobby. You know, it, it, people are able to get thermostats. You know, thermostats are a hundred dollars. And, and some people look at thermostat and they go a hundred dollars. I only bought the snake for $50. Blah, 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 blah. But if they are already spending $200 in the snake, they're going, okay, a hundred dollars into that cost to make sure that my, animals healthy and happy um yeah. you know it, it all adds up it all adds up and uh the black mexican black king snakes are a good example of that where they used to be 50 dollars. should they have ever been 50 dollars? probably not they're a cool snake i mean yeah they're a little overhyped because of social media but people want them mm-hmm. that 200 to 300 dollar price point is where the market's at for you post them they sell so it's not like people are posting for five hundred and they're just sitting there and we're all going, "Wow, look at these idiots selling them for five hundred dollars." No, <laughs> they sell, they sell at two to three hundred dollars consistently, yeah. and and you can't really argue with that. Like, it, yeah, people can be upset. Oh man, well I wanted to get them when they were fifty dollars, but now I don't really want to invest two hundred dollars. But you're thinking now more about that value of that animal's life, and yep. you know, think about, oh I'll get it later. Oh I'll get it later. Oh I'll get it later. You should get it when you want it, you know, or when you're ready for it. And because yeah. uh, the market can change, the market can change. Honestly, I don't see anyone currently in the U.S. producing enough Mexican black king snakes to be like, "Damn, I'm I'm not able to sell them at two hundred dollars. Maybe we need to adjust the price down a little bit." It's not happening. It's just no. not. You go no. on morph market, you see them for two hundred bucks, they're gone. Yeah. So what does that tell you about the market? It tells you that it's it's at its kind of equilibrium equilibrium right now. And will supply go down over the pandemic? That's not what we've seen. We have seen supply, uh, the demand go up and supply not able to meet the demand for almost everything across the board. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's, that's probably one of the most solid points, you know, for all is talking about a living creature, you know, and to, to, Say that that animal's life is worth the same as a Big Mac, you know, and large fries. Like, you don't think that that's now disposable, you know, then to most people? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. It's easy, you know, I mean, I I think about, I think about it from the the other side of my life, from a, a music standpoint. Like, if I've got to tell somebody, hey, the cost to get into this gig is 20 bucks. They don't really think about that. They're like, oh yeah, I got a 20 right here. Here you go. You know, but as soon as as soon as they gotta start digging for money and counting money, it's a, it makes them think like, oh man, this is this is this is a lot of money. You know, this is mm-hmm. that's well, that's notable, you know, because I gotta count it out, you know. Um that that switch going off is sometimes that exactly what that person needs to realize, hey, maybe this is the right thing. You know what? Maybe maybe it's not. You know, um, like the uh, the oxalotl craze, mm-hmm. like, big time. You know, oxalotls are like super cheap, but they're not necessarily the easy thing to uh, to maintain. You know, they don't yeah. want super warm. They, you know, so if you want to properly maintain an oxalotl, that it takes a bit of an investment. But mm-hmm. you know, they get hyped up. 
And then they're like, oh, it's only 30 bucks or whatever. That's like, that's nothing. You know, look at this cool water salamander. You know, thing's awesome. You know, and then it's it usually ends up spelling doom, you know, for, for that answer. Because you know? yeah. it's like, yeah, here it is. It's a tank, water in it, you go. You know, yes. and that's what most people get get given instead of like the full walkthrough of like, hey, depending on your ambient temperatures, you might need a chiller in there. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and and if you're doing it as, you know, purely just like a hobby, because the hobby has so many different levels, but like if you're doing it as just like, you know, I have a couple of reptiles, I have a couple of things that I'm interested in, I just want to do this, you know, you might be put off by like a $200 price tag on things. But honestly, think about how much time you're supposed to have the animal for and then break that down to a daily or a monthly cost. Cause like I see, well, one of the things that I see when I have people here for tours at nerd is that uh, we'll talk about a ball Python. I'll be like, Oh, this one's like $200. This one's, you know, a thousand dollars. This one's $5,000. And they go, Oh my goodness, $5,000. I can't even imagine. I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's going to live 20 years or more. You know, if you are in the business of breeding it, after the first two or three years, you'll be able to reproduce it, uh, you know, sell each one of those babies for X amount of money. Um, and then just think about even just on a a um, timeline, like when people buy a cat or a dog or they get a cat or a dog, like purebred cats and dogs can be anywhere from like a couple hundred dollars up to a couple thousand dollars, like purebred I don't even know. I don't really follow dogs that much, but I know that there are some dog breeds that are like, you know, two, oh, three five thousand dollars and people are willing to put that in for what eight an eight-year lifespan or 10-year lifespan on a dog um but you talk about having a corn snake for 20 years and 200 dollars is too much or 150 dollars is too much yep i think that people have just looked at reptiles as being disposable for so long that uh it's hard for them to put an actual value on them because you know when it was just like guys, you know, breeding snakes and trading snakes back and forth, or I don't want to say guys, but people uh, trading snakes back and forth. You know, you breed a couple things here. Oh, I like what you got. Let me trade with you. It's no big deal. Um, yeah. But we're at this industry is past that. It's not, I mean, there are little niches of that where you see stuff like that happening, but as a whole, this industry is so much larger than a couple people breeding some reptiles and trading ones that they think are cool. It is so much past that. And there's so much more of the, of our society that values them now that it it just, it is what it is, you know? And, you know, there are certain things like one thing that I think is like personally way overrated, um, but the market is sustainable on it is white lip pythons. White lip pythons went from being like a $200 python, and most people were like, and eh, not really super into white lip pythons. They'll be like, eh, it's, it's cool, but like, not, yeah, I'm not super interested. They musk, they bite, blah, blah, blah. To yeah. now, northern white lip, the gold white lip pythons, if you can get captive bird babies, they're like 600 to to $1,000 roughly. Um, and then the southern white lip pythons, the black ones, $2,000, $3,000, but the market sustains it. People want them. That's what, and people are willing to pay those prices. Again, if it was people putting up $600 white lip pythons and then just sitting there for months, okay, that maybe that's not the market value. But currently, what the, the people who want them are very willing to shell out 
six hundred to a thousand dollars for a white lip python um, in order to get one. And a lot of those people are not even like I don't want to say they're not qualified, but they're not tuned in enough to breed them um, to be able to reproduce them. So yeah. it. Uh, you know, the, the Bismarck ring pythons, dude. I mean, you know, a hundred dollars mm-hmm. back in the day that was basically the same thing. Like nobody wanted to deal with them because they were mean, they bit, they pissed, they did all that stuff. They fell off the face of the earth. And now suddenly a couple guys are breeding them and, you know, they're like, oh, well, I don't know. Let's, see, let's throw $1,500 on there and see what happens. And they all sell out. Oh, yeah. Yep. Shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so you, if people are paying that price, then yeah, man. I mean that that's the value. That's the value of the animal. Rarity plays a, a plays some for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that that effort. You know, I, I think one of the things that people forget a lot of times when they try to get into the industry is they they look at the immediate number of like, oh man, this snake costs two thousand dollars. I want to breed that and make my own two thousand dollar snake. I'll make so much money, and it's like. Okay, there's a possibility for that, you know, but there's a whole behind the scenes, like 90% of the, the, the hobby that's not involved only sees the tip of the that top 10%. They don't see what's underneath, you know, and all what it takes. And then it's like, you had to buy, all the time you had to put into it, all the rats you had to feed it to grow it up, all, you know, you're learning the experience, the amount of time you're putting into learning how to breed these different species. And, you know, it's not cheap. I hate to say it, but it's not cheap. If you're good at something, why do it for free? Like I, and don't get me wrong. Here's the deal. Um, You know, I think that there will always be room in the hobby for, you know, gifting people snakes or, you know, see someone who's passionate about getting into something. And then, you know, you've got the ability to give someone a snake or trade a snake or do something like that. I'm not saying that people should never do that, but I think that reptiles are criminally undervalued. And I still hear people saying they should never be that expensive or they should never be that price. And it's like, well, that's an opinion. And I'm like, you know, my, that's my opinion is different than that. And that's just, it's just an opinion is what it is. But my yeah. opinion is like, why shouldn't we put value into these animals? Um, like I work with Borneos and like Borneos have been criminally undervalued and blood pythons criminally undervalued. You know, you see the people who are breeding these neon red blood pythons, like Kara and like some of the other people who are doing blood pythons. And it's like, do you know how many years of selective breeding and raising and, and going, ah, well, I held this one back, but it doesn't quite have the color that I want, but its brother definitely does. So I want to selectively, you know, choose for making these animals that are very specific looking, you know, um, the amount of time, effort, money, bedding, food, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into doing that. To, for you to tell someone, oh, why is this a $500 blood python? It's like, because you're not paying just for this snake. You're putting for playing for all of the time and effort and, you know, all the things that lead up to making this one baby snake. Because there's not just, oh, I found a snake on Craigslist. I found another snake on Craigslist. I bred them together because I got them for $50 each. And now I'm going to charge $10,000 uh, for things. And granted, there are some people who try and do stuff like that. Um, but it's not most of the people who are in the reptile hobby right now. Like, uh, at least not, not from what I'm seeing. A lot of the people, maybe I'm just plugged into different circles and I'm not plugged into like the rescue side of things, but 
you know, most of the people I see who are breeding snakes and being successful at it have put intentionality, time, money, blood, sweat, tears, and all of that into it to make it more, you know? Yeah. Jay Muller. I want to give another shout out to Jay Muller for the super sticker. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into the comment section just because I, I saw something, saw something happening. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree that bloods are more intelligent than, than car. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree. I think think they are. I'm going to (laughs) disagree. I don't know if I agree with that either, but Hey, I mean, bloods are, are smart. I think they're honestly right around the same. I think they're right around the same, honestly. Yeah, and I'm like, listen, I love the meat missiles just as much as the next guy. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think there's that's another uh, – Bloods are another really great – Wartails, too, are another great thing uh, that we're seeing the value increase in, you know, very, very quickly. You know, mm-hmm. for these that was otherwise – you know, I mean, you get normal blood python for 60 bucks, you know. And, I mean, there are still those that come in – you know, for the, those cheap prices, is either cheap imports or just the the ugly normal bloods that are all gross and brown. But uh, you know, I mean, seeing people like Kara and so many others that have put in that time and dedication to produce solid, like really healthy, hardy animals that also end up looking like these badass creations. Like you're, you know, when they say like you're paying for the brand or whatever, like. You're also paying for all that dedication. If you're watching the video, I got to do a bit. But all that time that happened before. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, there there is that, that level. You know, I, I'll go back to talking about like the, the ball pythons that are like thousands and thousands of dollars where people are like, I can't imagine spending that much on a snake or, or whatever. Or ball pythons shouldn't be that much money. And, uh, how many times have we seen over the years, Rob, where people, you know, invest in a project, they invest a lot of money in a project, and then within two years or even a year or less, the, the prices tank. And they get pissed and try to blacklist people because they're like, hey, screwed me out of all this money and blah, blah, blah. The thing that that thing to realize is like, look, if you make a $10,000 investment and that snake the next year is selling for, or I should say, by the time you're ready to breed it, not the next year. So let's say you buy a baby ball python in two years, you buy a male. So two years, it's more than ready to breed and they're probably going to be around $7,500. First of all, $7,500 is a is a substantial number if you're able to produce more of that. But also you have one snake you spent $7,500 on. If that is a male and you breed it to multiple females and it's a higher dollar animal, that's going to give you higher dollar animals. You mean to tell me you can't invest 10 grand and make 10 grand back while producing multiple high value snakes. You know what I mean? So, like, just because the initial price fell less, you know, it, it's not like you bought a snake for ten grand two years for the hundred bucks. You know, if that was the case, I could see being upset. You know, I I don't I don't want to. Uh, there's there's a couple snakes that that happened to ivory blood pythons, <laughs> ivory yeah. blood pythons, petite blood pythons, teen egg blood pythons. They literally went from like three thousand dollars one year to like. Five hundred dollars the next year, 
and yeah. I, I've, I've heard some theories on how that happened, but I, I don't want to speak on anything that I don't know for a hundred percent. So, uh, but there were some things going on behind the scenes where literally a lot of people invested some, a lot of money. And then the next year they were, wor- it was worth the project's worth one tenth of what a lot of people paid, bought in for. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that doesn't happen often, honestly. <laughs> doesn't, but that's, that- that's a level of like understanding the market and, and how pricing works and how the market works. You know, I mean, I said this before, uh, there's a lot of people that get into the snake breeding business and, and that, that are terrible business people. They might be great with the animals, but they're terrible business people. They don't understand how it, how it works, you know? Um, and it is what it is. You know, we're not all made to be business owners and, and whatever, but when you start then sticking your, um, sticking your nose out, um, saying stuff like that, it, it just shows like you don't really understand business, you know, and how to get a proper ROI on some, you know, so that, that people just need to understand that. And again, like we've already talked about, cost of rodent feed the cost of rodents the cost of your time the cost of your investment to to start the project you know uh, that that all has to be taken into account when you're a pricing your animal but b looking at like okay well what if you were looking at this as any other business you know and break all of the expenses your electricity your, you know, your time, if you were to pay yourself, you know, like all these different things that goes into that, you know, and if you're using, you know, again, one or two clutches of snake, it's a little different, but when you start getting a substantial reflection and you're like, oh man, you know, this is, this is taking a bit of my time, you know, like it's some stuff you got to think about. And, uh, you know, I mean, it is, it is what it is. I see Justin, Justin got back with stuff. On, uh, on on bloods and stuff, and that, I mean that's great that some people think they're ticks, but pre-ticks are, you know, not always that smart. <laughs> and you know, I know, dude, trust me, I keep bloods and short tails. I, I know they pay, they pay attention. Carpets do too, man. They're they're just a little more reactive. But yeah, I mean, to each their own. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna get into an argument that well, this person says this, and I think this, and blah 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 blah, and it's it's cool, man. Whatever. This, this reptiles in general are smarter than we give them credit for, and how you for interact, real. What you do with them directly dictates how they're going to react to you, and how yeah. you think and deal with your animals in your collection when it's different from somebody else's, and you approach it the same way. It doesn't always give you the same. But I'll I'll leave it at that because because I, I I love Justin. <laughs> i'm not i'm not here for it but <laughs> but uh yeah but yeah man i think i think it's just um it's just important that uh the people i think there's just a lot of people who are saying things that don't really understand the bigger picture and we see that a lot especially now with social media as as old as it makes us seem bitching about social media um but uh you know we see that where like people just get people throw themselves all into it and bitch when things don't go their way you know mm-hmm. and like dude it, it it doesn't have to be that way but you have to get creative 
little. Like I love picking fun at ball python guys because you know they 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 breed stuff. They they follow some other breeder really intently. Whatever it is, I'll use Kabelka as an example because he's he is one of the leaders in ball pythons right now. They jump on a project and they you know they get the the lowest end thing they can related to that project. And then by the time they've become successful at it, the project is it, it might still be worth a little bit of money, but not uh, not what it was before. Yeah, what it was before, and then they get frustrated. And it's like, well, listen, if you want to actually really do something, you have to understand what that investment looks like. Like somebody just did the work; they put in that time investment, they put in that money investment. You have an option, you know, as a, as a potential business or a potential investor in a project that you a think looks really cool and you want to try to produce but b if you're trying to make a little bit of side income you have to pay attention like okay do i want to get a spot nose head clown and a leopard head clown to try to make a batman and spend you know seven hundred dollars or do i want to get a spot nose leopard hundred percent clown and spend a thousand dollars right up front on that one snake raise it up and then get my hands on a visual clown or maybe a visual leopard clown spent seven hundred to a thousand dollars, and then increase my chances of producing some badass snakes. Therefore, seeing my investment quicker, number one, and producing other stuff you can hold back and, and you know create more things from. It's just that that thought process and method oftentimes gets blocked off by like has dropped X amount of money. Number one, and and a falsified hope of well, if I do this, it's one in four. <laughs> like surprise, buddy, genetics is not always perfect, and they'll yeah. all pythons will screw you just as much as Borneos. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know. I think that one of the the two ones that I've seen, like, well, I've seen. Probably four are four species of the ones that I see people complain about most, and we already touched on the Mexican black king snakes, mm-hmm. which like, come on, they they never should have been a fifty dollars snake. No, I don't, I don't think they should have ever been a fifty dollars snake. You know, the amount of time and money and effort and rack space and you know, all this, you got to clean collarbirds twice as much as you clean ball pythons. So you're putting in more time. They should have been valued more. Um, uh, the Mexican black king snakes. White lip pythons are two that like everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. Number three is Dumeril's boas, which like yeah, somebody Brent brought that up in the comments earlier, which is really yeah, it's a really good. One. And 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 you know what? It kind of is what it is. Like uh, Dumeril's or boas went up to like I think eight hundred dollars or something, seven eight hundred dollars, and they were still selling at seven eight hundred dollars. And then everyone was saying, oh, they should only be three hundred dollars. It's like why? Why should they only be valued at three hundred dollars? Um, I, I just I like I want a, a solid reason for someone to say why they should only be three hundred dollars as opposed to being six hundred dollars. And like, sure, maybe a thousand dollars is too high, but if it is too high, then the market will correct for that, and no one will buy those thousand dollar ones. And the people who've got a thousand dollar ones are either going to keep them all back and raise them and breed them. Or they're going to have to adjust their pricing to move them and move them down to a fair market value. And come on. Like, I don't understand why anyone gets mad about 
stuff like that. Like I, I, I literally don't because I, if, if something is selling at $600 and people are going, Oh, I hate that that sells for $600. Usually what that means to me is people can't afford it. Yep. Like, and like, that's not the seller's problem. Cause I constantly have people who message nerd and they're like, why is this rare ball Python combo $5,000? And we're like, well, it's taken us 20 years to make it. And they're like, well, will you take a hundred dollars? No, no, we won't. We put 20 years of work into producing this snake. And then you want to value it at, I've only got a hundred dollars. Buy a hundred dollar snake. Be happy with your hundred dollar snake. Like, the thing is, it's like with any artist, really, my work is valued more because of the time and effort and you know everything that I put into it. It's not free for me to do it. I still have to pay bills. I still have to pay my rent. I still have to pay my electricity. I still have to pay my car payment. Like, yep, it's not free. We're not like nobody in the world. Well, I shouldn't say it. nobody in the United States is living for free. Just is not happening. Yeah. Or if they are, there's some exchange there going on. Okay, no matter what it is, there's some exchange that's going on. Okay. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. There's some sort of exchange going on, okay? I'm just saying what happens in I'm the just saying. stays behind the gas station. <laughs> but I, like, I can't understand someone saying, hey, people want to buy this thing at $600, and lots of people do, and they're selling for $600. They shouldn't be $600. Like, imagine if you went into the grocery store and you saw a really nice steak and the, the butcher carved it up extra nice. And it's this premium cut that was from grass fed beef. And you go, I don't think that you should charge $50 for this steak. What? No, no, no. You don't get to dictate what the person values it at. And if it doesn't sell for $50, then the butcher's got to adjust what they're doing. And if it isn't worth it for the butcher to get that specific cut of meat to raise that specific cattle to do it the way that they're doing it, then it won't exist. It won't happen. Yeah. It just won't. If people are breeding Dumeril's bows, go, they're selling for $200. I'm putting 500 to $700 of food into my adults every year. It is not worth it for me to breed them. They'll either sell them and get rid of them or they won't breed them. And then what does that create? Creates less supply and then if the demand goes up and it meets a poor, a, an area where it's worth it for people to breed them, then they'll breed them. Mm-hmm. And like, like I said, I cannot, I've not heard one good reason other than I don't think they should be for things to be cheaper. Yeah. Or I love the, like, Oh, they just, they're just money hungry. And it's like, no man, like you have to exactly like what you were saying, you know, they're, whole history of that person you know even if it's a newer breeder that's that's you know trying to maybe get topped off for a project they invested money on there's a level of that you know that's still happening that that goes behind it again like you only see the tip of the iceberg when you see the morph market post you know you're seeing the finished product from somebody yeah. actually doing 
the job of maybe raising those animals or even if they got adults establishing those animals in their collection then breeding them making sure that females maintain properly to, to lay a, a fertile clutch then incubating then getting that animal started like there is still some level of effort you know mm -hmm. and we oftentimes get that doesn't get recognized enough yeah you know yeah. and and you know it's it's not it's not easy to do what we do you know yeah. what i mean like for, you know and certain species are obviously easier to breed than others you know and and that that challenge is far less for certain species um but you know i mean like that's part and a lot of times they're less expensive because they are easier to breed but that's one of those fair market things where it's like hey look you know, I don't think a corn snake could be valued at fifteen or twenty dollars, but I do understand they're super easy to breed. So maybe like fifty bucks, you know, fifty bucks maybe is the base price that they should be because there is some effort that has to go into breeding, regardless of how easy they are to breed. You know, um, in comparison to like like Justin brought up Boland's python breeding, and, and that was going to be the fourth one that I brought up was Boland's pythons and yeah. Boland's pythons selling for seven thousand to ten thousand dollars, and everyone being up in arms about it. And I I don't like the people who are tuned into Boland's pythons know this. There have been captive breedings of Boland's pythons recently from people who bought captive bred or captive born. Sorry, everyone who's going to get butthurt right now. Captive-born baby Bones pythons. I know personally that one of the customers who bought babies from Nerd three years ago produced babies this year. So what does that say? And absolutely, Bones pythons are rare. More people should have them in their hands so that they can produce more of them. Um, but someone who's investing $10,000 or $20,000 in a breeding project for something like Boland's pythons is going to be very serious about breeding them. Um, the person who's buying the one-off male, maybe not. But if they've got 10 grand to drop on a male, why, why do you care? Like, it's not like there's only one male in the United States. The people who are in the Boland's python groups and the people who've got Boland's pythons and are doing the registry and all that sort of stuff, they know where they all are. It's not, it's not that there's only one left, um, and, and most of those people are collaborating together to try and make more Boland's pythons. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking forward to if slash when the um, – oh, my goodness, I'm totally blanking on the species name. Um, oh, and Pelli pythons. Oh, if yeah. slash when those come to the United States, I'm willing to bet they're not going to be a – hundred dollar snake or a thousand dollar snake or a two thousand dollar snake and i i would like some do <laughs> i want to pay, do i want to pay five thousand dollars for them no is there somebody who's probably going to want to pay five to ten thousand dollars for them absolutely if they want to make that investment of time and money and effort why shouldn't they that doesn't mean i mean I can get on the podcast and be like, wow, did you see the Owen Pelli pythons or fucking $10,000 for a pair? Yeah, I can say that. Does it mean that I'm taking into consideration that they had to get here from Australia, probably through Europe, probably through Smuggle Up, through this, through this, through this, all these different venues? That's like when you're talking about the $60 blood pythons. Why are blood pythons $60? You know why? Because the people over in Southeast Asia who are farming them use them for skins. So they kill them. So they, they're worth $20 to them or $10 to them. They're not really worth a whole lot to them. 
but they still have to get on a they have to go to a farm. They have to be at the farm for a little bit. They have to be flown from that farm in Southeast Asia to the United States where they're going to hit a distributor who's going to distribute them to someplace else. And all of that costs money. All of it costs money is what it boils down to. And it, you know, think about the cost of flying from Southeast Asia to the United States. It's not cheap. <laughs> like it all, it all adds up. All these little tiny pieces add up. And, uh, yeah, the, the Boland's pythons are, are one where, you know, everyone's upset about the price, but they sell for that price. So, like, yeah. market, that's where the market's at right now. Should the market be at that? I don't know. The market's telling me that it is. If And if there, there's – I don't – I really don't even go on Morph Market right now because I'm really trying not to spend money. Um, <laughs> but I've heard that there's some sitting, like, some males, like, randomly that will be sitting on Morph Market for a couple months, and they're sitting at $10,000 or whatever – then that's not what the market's at right now. If the market's at $7,000, then that's what the market's at. Do I think that there are people who are capable of breeding them who don't have that $14,000 or $20,000 to invest in them? Probably. Um, but are there people who've got twenty grand who are going to figure it out? We've already proven that there are. Someone already did it. Yeah. Exactly. Someone already did it. So uh, at the end of the day, that's where it's at. And, and uh, you know, for, for anyone to sit here and say that, um, you know, we should not put more value on these animals, I just don't understand it. Like, um, if sense. every snake, if every snake was $10,000, sure. Yeah, okay, we've all gone crazy. Hardly anyone has got... $10,000 of disposable income. But at that point, everyone's going to hold back all their snakes. Nobody's going to be able to sell them, and nobody's making any money. Right now, the market is growing over COVID. I can't tell you how many people have come to the shop and said, oh, when the when the pandemic shut everything down, we hopped on YouTube, and we really got invested in animals. We, we really got interested in keeping snakes. We really – we didn't have any snakes and then now we got 10 snakes or we didn't have any snakes. And now we have three snakes and we really want to get a couple more. And we're really interested in seeing this species or that species or, you know, this morph or that morph or getting to hold a scaleless ball Python for the first time or seeing a Boland's Python in person or uh, seeing a palmetto corn snake in person. All these little things uh, all work in, um, in confluence or they, they all work together to yeah. create this hobby this industry this larger picture than what i got going on in my reptile room you know <laughs> and uh you know if 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 i'm selling borneo short tail pythons at a thousand dollars and someone comes and tells me they shouldn't be a thousand dollars it's like why what, what is it hurting you that i'm putting them up for a thousand dollars personally is it hurting you wait it's so crazy to me when people who are working with that species say that it shouldn't be that much that it's like, Oh, so you don't, you don't want people to value your animals more. What sense does that make? Like what, yeah. what sense does that make? It, what other people charge for their animals does not have to dictate what you charge for your animals. If you think that your snakes only worth $200, sell for $200, sell for $200. If I breed Borneos and I think, Oh, it's only worth a hundred dollars. It's only worth $50. And I sell them and they all go at $50. Guess what? That's what they were worth to me. But I yep. don't. I think they're worth more than that, personally. 
Yeah. You know, I've been keeping Borneo short-tailed pythons for 15 years. And some of the stuff that I've been raising up has been eight years in the making. And I've got more stuff that's been more years in the making that's coming up. <laughs> and that's like, uh, what I think about is like my scrub pythons. If I ever breed scrub pythons, like the amount of time and effort that I've put into getting scrub pythons and raising them how I think is right and taking my time with them and doing all this different stuff. If I wanted to charge $2,000 or $1,500 for a scrub python, that's what I think they're worth. And if nobody buys them, I don't care. I really don't. Like uh, um, Stephen Cush has got a bunch of really nice baby scrub pythons that he produced. If he charges $1,500 uh, $1, a baby for those, and that's what he feels like they're worth, that's what they're worth, man. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I hate to say it, but, like, how many other captive bred baby barnack scrub pythons are you going to get? That's I'll wait. I'll yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's literally, like, the, the biggest point. You know, it, it's people are super narrow-minded to that, to, the, to these points as far as the pricing on certain animals. Or they literally just don't um, – they don't understand or they just can't afford. And it, as you were saying, it's and they're just like, well, it couldn't be that funny. It's like, well, why? Because you you, you want to get one? You save your pennies, bro. Like the rest. Or breed your snakes and then use that snake money to buy one of the cool things that you want. Man, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> it's funny. This, is, this isn't a super chat, but I'm highlighting this because I, it's, it's, I think it's funny. <clears throat> Uh, from Amy, literally looking at Justin Belka's stock on Morph Market while I listen to you guys. Got a dream. I mean, like, <laughs> but also, yes, you know, and Justin's got some some great stuff. And like, I'll I'll comment on his uh, his Instagram posts and I'll shoot him texts every once in a while and, uh, and just be like, dude, I wow. Just like, wow. I don't even know what to say about those animals. Like, that's crazy. You know, and, and he's somebody that... Um, when when he talks about his breeding projects and what he's trying to do, like you can see the amount of mental investment that he's made in every single one of his projects, you know, uh, where it's like, yeah, when he says that snake is eight thousand dollars or eighty five hundred dollars, you don't really question it because you're just like, yeah, I know, I know you've been meticulously studying these phenotypes and. You know, with the exact intention of putting them together for for whatever, and uh, and that's really obvious. So nobody ever really argues with that. So it's always so bizarre when, uh, when you get the people like, "Oh, this shouldn't be that much money." It's like, dude, you just don't understand what's going into the process. You are again missing the process. Even some of the people I see who do the process and they put all this money into it and they still think that it should be valued less. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, you'd think that, oh, I'm putting, you know, a thousand dollars worth of food into my snakes every year. I only want to get nine hundred dollars back, but like or, or I want to get less money for my animals. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. Like when it when it comes to when it comes to people who do know the process, especially on a larger, uh, larger scale, you know, and you start looking at expenses, you know, if if you're not aware of that, you know, and then how much money, how much money is coming in, 
you know, like again, you don't you don't want to be losing money. Even if you love doing this, you don't want to necessarily be losing money. You know, yeah. especially literally the cost of everything is going up. Like, dude, what was it? Just a couple months ago, an eight by four sheet of three quarter inch plywood in New Hampshire was a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars for an eight by four by three quarter inch sheet of plywood. Like what? A hundred dollars. People who uh, home improvements were quoted one price and then a couple months later being told, hey, look, I know I quoted you X amount, but the cost of raw materials is literally almost over, you know, doubled in price. So now it's going to be, you know, $12,500 to get this project done. What? You know, mm-hmm. but don't People might bitch about that, but nobody's out there like, it could be worth that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, that's what, that's what it is right now because we're all screwed. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, like, that's one of the things that I look at on, like, a, like a larger scale. Um, you know, you talk about back in the, what, 60s, 70s, 80s, they had, like, penny candy where it's like, oh, you can get a little piece of candy for a penny. And it's like, do you know how much like even just talk about sugar and plastic that goes into making and flavoring that goes into making a piece of candy it's not a penny dude it's no. not it just isn't and and everything is just increased in price from food to materials to pvc like the people who are building racks and enclosures and stuff right now can't even get pvc to make the racks and the enclosures that they want to build yeah it's all, it all just is cost more. It just is the way that life goes. It's just how it breaks down. And, uh, you know, we can sit here and argue about it all day and be upset about it. Um, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like you, you can't go up to someone who'd made an eight foot enclosure and be like, you're charging too much for this eight foot enclosure. They put time and money. They had to buy materials. They had to do all this different stuff. That's what it's worth to them for their time to do it. That's what it's worth. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of times, especially, you know, people who are building stuff with PVC right now, like they're not even doing the typical retail double the price of, of your raw material. Some of them are they're only just barely making money on it. If it costs them four hundred dollars to build the cage, they're charging four fifty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, man, this enclosure is really expensive. And it's like, well, it cost them four hundred bucks to that four fifty. You know, they're not going to give you the cage at cost. You know, but and then, then all the up. messed up cages that they did to design the right type of enclosure to get the one that you ended up getting. <laughs> yep, exactly. I mean, like, think about, dude, the, pr- the price of glass. The price of glass. Dude remember, when, dude, remember when Dan was talking about how he broke that table in his living room and he, for, like, the third time or whatever, but the last few yeah. times for a placement, it was only, like, 50 bucks for the mm-hmm. whole class, and now it was, like, a buck 70-something. Jeez. For the same pane of glass. I don't know why he's broken it many times, but the same pane of glass, you know, um, that's crazy. You know, mm-hmm. so if you're talking about a cage builder that's building cages with sliding glass doors, you know, that cage, the PC might have cost them $200, but then the glass is going to cost another two, maybe 250 depending on how big the exposure it is. So now mm-hmm. that's, you know, if you've got to spend now $500 on a cake, sorry, dude, 
You're spending yep. five hundred dollars on a cage, and then you're also going to wait a long time. Yeah, I um. So here's the deal. I I I got out most of the topics that I wanted to talk about on this, but yes. one of the things that um that I I I, I know that we're running close on time here, but yeah. I I need to rant. I need to rant more. Hold on. <laughs> um, one I of like the things that, that that is like the other side of the coin on this is um when prices go up like stupid high, like on the Bolins pythons, like on California red sided garter snakes or, or, uh, uh, that, that sort of thing. Cause California red sided garter snakes, you should be $200. And then uh, most recently I've seen them anywhere from 500 to $800 a piece, um, on Morph market and, and just consistent, like they up there for that. They sell for that. That's what they're going for. Yeah. Um, this is not a closed system. We are not currently working on a closed system. This is an open circuit system. And when the only reason I've seen that people can really say, oh, we shouldn't be charging to this much for this type of thing is that it creates incentive for black market sales on some of these animals. And it can put strain on wild populations because someone sees online, oh, red sided garter snakes are $700. If I go collect a whole bunch of them, I can make a, you know, 10, 20, 40, $50,000 a year thing. And they just illegally collect them, illegally sell them. And, and that's, that happens. And um, so when people talk about, oh, they should never be this price, this imaginary price that I made up is too high. Um, that's the only time that I really agree with people is, is on some of those like really rare protected species, stuff that is potentially threatened in the wild. And, um, and the price incentive creates this, black market desire for these animals because it, there is like, I was talking about the Owen Pelli pythons. People want Owen Pelli in the U S a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of money that could be tied up in getting some over here. So you better believe that there's some people who are working on getting some out of Australia into Europe to eventually get to the United States, like how they did rough scale pythons. The desire for rough scale pythons was incredible, in, incredibly huge. Yep. Where do they go? Right to Europe. Breed them a couple times in Europe. Boom. Right over into the United States. And, uh, you know, there's it's harder for people to get stuff from Australia to the United States. But I think about the California red sided garter snakes all the time. And I'm like, the, people kind of have a point with maybe they shouldn't be that expensive with those because potentially it could cause an unnecessary black market strain on those wild populations of those snakes because it's someplace where someone can drive and go collect them yeah. not saying you'll be able to find all of them but it does give people that incentive to go out at the end of the season collect gravid females have them have all their babies in a captive setting toss your females out if you're ethical or sell them if you're not ethical um honestly collecting these protected species is not really ethical in the first place but um you know <laughs> What you know? What's stopping someone from collecting a, a gravid female, having those babies, selling each one of those babies for five hundred bucks, making your twenty grand, whatever you know, um, or I'd say fifteen grand, probably what thirty babies in a litter. Um, so make your fifteen grand, and then do it again next year. And that when people see, oh, they're selling for five hundred to eight hundred dollars a an animal. Or the Bolins pythons, they're selling for $10,000 an animal. It creates this 
this, you know, we're not in a closed system anymore. People online can see prices on everything. So people in Indo can see what people in the United States are paying for Boland's pythons or for Southern white lip pythons or for any of this stuff. So uh, in that regard, on that other side of the coin, if people really want to argue about why things shouldn't be expensive, that's, I, that's one of the only arguments I see yeah. that could have some validity that I've thought about. I mean, maybe if you are listening to this podcast right now and you're saying, oh, you're not thinking about this thing, please message it to me uh, at Rob is Creeping It Real on Instagram. Or you can hit me up on Snapchat. I think it's a.minitrix on Snapchat. Message me on either of those places. Tell me that I forgot something um, because that's one of the only situations where I can see people like having a justification for saying, hey, we really shouldn't charge this really high price for this animal because it's going to create a black market need. And these animals are already strained in the wild where they come from. Right. Because if I'm selling a Borneo short tail python for a thousand dollars or $2,000 or $3,000, first off, people are not able to collect the stuff that I'm producing. That's besides the point. But uh, the wild population of Borneos is not endangered. I mean, palm oil and, deforestation and all that sort of stuff but it is not considered endangered like Boland's pythons or like california red-sided garter snakes or san francisco garter snakes or you know name another species uh galapagos tortoises or you know even aldabras so that's the only that's the only argument i could really really get behind for why things shouldn't be more expensive um yeah to the, to the point of market value you know um because, like I said, people are still buying Boland's pythons at $7,000 each. So, that, technically, that's where the market's at for them. Is that good? Is it bad? Who am I to say? I'm, I'm not buying them, so I don't really care. It doesn't yeah. really matter to me. Uh, the, there's a lot of people who've got Boland's pythons now who are trying to breed them. So, I hope that they're good. I hope they're successful. Yeah. Um, but, hey, shout out to – we got like 30 – we've been up to like 32 people in the live chat on YouTube, which is pretty freaking cool. Five. I'm down That's with that. Highest number I saw, which is awesome. Boom. I have not been watching the number. I've just been like kind of glancing down every every couple of minutes and, and just like looking to see if there's new comments or whatever. Um, that's cool. So if you're listening to this on the audio, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, um, you, you – or catching it late, you could be watching us live on YouTube and seeing some video of me ranting and spitting all over my camera and getting all worked up, and then Jeremy uh, sitting back and and enjoying the show. <laughs> yeah, but I will also say too, uh, if you're checking, if you're here hanging out with us on YouTube, then uh, you'll catch this uh, before anybody else will. So you're gonna get a triple dose of reptile talk this week here on YouTube. Uh, so obviously this episode is happening right now. This will be the first one to go out on the audio only uh, download option. Uh, tomorrow we're talking with uh, Jacob Bratz. Uh, hey. At work. Um, super excited to talk with Jacob. Great kid. And then uh, Friday, Friday, we're talking with John, John and Dragna from Stim Container. Woo! So if you're checking us out on YouTube, the dogs are barking. Um, <laughs> if you're checking us out on YouTube, um, you now know that you get a, uh, a triple threat of reptile talk this week. 
Um, and, and if you're not watching us on YouTube, you can catch it as over the next three weeks, we'll be releasing those episodes on all other platforms. Um, yep. to check us out. Bam. Boom. Bam. So Jeremy, <laughs> yeah. as we're winding down our time, uh, what in the realm of reptiles has got you excited about reptiles right now? So, you know what? I'll, actually, I'll say this. This is a little selfish for me, but, uh, so as I said earlier, down in Georgia, along right now, we've got some music that's happening in Atlanta, um, which is great. So during the day, I'm helping out a friend at her pet shop. She's getting ready to uh, to expand really soon. So I've come on as a as a consultant in that process. So um, I've had a really fun time redoing a bunch of enclosures in the shop. Uh, so I'm like building out bioactive enclosures, just really cool display enclosures. And I keep most of my stuff in racks personally. So it's just really fun uh, building these enclosures, seeing the animals use those enclosures. I, I like that. It takes me back to when I used to keep dart frogs and different gecko species and stuff back in the day. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that right now. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so Rob, how about, how, about, how about you? What's got you excited about reptiles besides uh, price points and stuff? <laughs> Honestly, I, this, this is something that this is an episode that I've had on my mind for like two months now. And I'm just like, yeah, vent it all out. Get it all out there. But um, so I have two things that are that I think are pretty exciting right now. Um, one thing is that I finally have some Borneos that have eaten five meals, so I feel comfortable selling them so they can go on to their new homes. I still have a few that have not eaten, so I'm going to be probably doing uh, some you know, swapping around, doing experimenting a little bit to see if I can get them on something different um, yeah. before I assist feed them. Um, so I'll have a couple snakes. I just made sure that my morph market was updated last night, so I'll probably go on tonight or tomorrow or something sometime this week and just put on – the babies that are ready to go so that they can go up there. So really cool stuff. And then um, the other thing is something that's not me at all, uh, but Mike Vessio, uh, I think he goes by Viper Breeder on Instagram. He produced um, the, I think they're called Israeli spider tail vipers, Ooh. but he's got, he posted a picture of a bunch of baby spider tail vipers the other day. And I was like, Oh damn, that's freaking cool. That's so awesome. Damn. Um, yeah, I just I thought that was freaking really cool. And then there was another person who produced uh, uh, Hal Mahara Scrub Pythons this year. Freaking awesome. Um, and then shout out to Chuck Poland, who's producing the Hal Maharas, dude. That's another one. If Hal Mahara Scrub Pythons, Catcherbred Hal Mahara Scrub Pythons are $3,000 each. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what they go for. Yeah, that's the amount of time and effort and, you know, all the people who have tried and failed. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask that much. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Okay. Hey, we had the official wrap-up. Our buddy Weed Wars is here. Haven't seen Weed Wars in a while from uh, from the nerd uh, nerd live streams and everything way back. Uh, Wants to know, Rob, what's what's Rob's morph market if people want to see some Borneos and stuff? Um, Everything I do on the internet is under Rob is Creeping It Real. So uh, it's it's under Rob is Creeping It Real. Bam. There you go. There you go. All right. That is going to do it for us. Rob, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, I think you just told them where they can find you. Anyway, yeah, look for Rob is Creeping It Real. I think the only thing that isn't under that is my Snapchat. Um, and that's at a.minitrix. I think that's it. Otherwise, I just gave you someone completely different 
uh, Snapchat, but that's that's mine. I don't really use Snapchat all that much, um, but I use Instagram a lot. So check me out on Instagram at Rob is Creepy Real. I do want to make a video, a YouTube video on my Borneos. I just have been slammed for time uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, so I don't know when I'm going to be able to do that, but I'm going to try and do that at some point. Um, yeah. So Jeremy, if people want to find out more about you, where are they going to go? You can find me not everywhere on the internet, uh, but you can find me at uh, Brassman Reptiles. Obviously, you're here on YouTube. Amazing people uh, here at Brassman Reptiles. Instagram at Brassman Reptiles. Twitter at Brassman Rep. I'm trying to get better on Twitter. I've been doing a little better on Twitter recently. Um, and uh, Morph Market as well, if anybody wants to. Kimball Python. I'm starting to go up here, uh, right at Brassman Reptiles. And, um, yeah, that's that. That'll do it. So uh, hopefully we'll tune in next time to see y'all. Like we said, if you are watching live on YouTube, on the Brassman Reptiles YouTube channel, you'll be able to check out another episode tomorrow. If you're listening on any other platform, you'll catch this uh, following episode next week. And then we'll yep. be recording another episode on Friday on YouTube. So you can tune in. It's actually going to be earlier in the day. It's going to be about 4 p.m. Uh, on Friday. So we'll be recording on Friday as well for another live episode on the Brassman Reptiles YouTube channel. But that will go up in two weeks on all other platforms. Bam. Here you so go. We'll catch you next time. And you got it. See ya. Ooh.